0: Welcome here. It's me, Dave. How's everybody doing? What's up? A long time since we've had a chance to talk regularly. Uh, If it's anything like me, the coronavirus has thrown me for a loop. I mean, not just business-wise, really, but um, I've discovered that I am a completely inadequate fourth-grade teacher. Uh, Now my son made it to fifth grade. Uh, No thanks to his dad, I have to say. Um, But how's everybody doing? What are you up to? Um, Let me know how everybody's doing. Uh, I feel a little bit neglectful because I haven't been here as regularly as I should have been. Um, But I want to hear from you. I want to know what what you're dealing with right now. So send me an email. It's um, daviddavewakeman.com. I set up early on a Slack channel. Uh, called talking tickets where people who are in the entertainment industry can connect with us or and chat there's people from I think 12 time zones the last time I looked Uh, it's a great thing you you email me David Dave Wakeman I will send you the link or get the talking tickets newsletter uh, which you can get by visiting my website and there's a tab for the talking tickets website Um, over the next couple days I'm going to start putting out a bunch of content that has been in the pipeline. I have a podcast that I recorded, I believe it was the day that um, Donald Trump gave his speech from the Oval Office, letting America know about the coronavirus and the pandemic um, with Phil Hansen from QIT. And since the pandemic and since the recording, QIT's done great work working with shopping um, supermarkets to help smooth out some of the demand around the pandemic. Uh, they've done a bunch of interesting stuff, but we, Phil and I had a really great conversation that I kind of held because I didn't know if, what was going to be happening, what was going on. Uh, but seeing the work that they've done over, during the pandemic, I think it might be um, an inter- still an interesting conversation, still something that's useful. Um, Right now, I'm still working with Booking Protect, and we are doing something new. Um, We have been kind of struggling back and forth about what to do that would create value for everybody. That wouldn't just jump on board like on. well, here's how you work from home. Uh, Here's uh, how you do this, or here's how you do that. And what we're looking at now as a way to help people moving in a positive direction is we're thinking through a couple things, and we want your help. Uh, We are looking to understand how people have uh, evolved and how they manage their remote work and their work from home situation. Uh, Being uh, that a lot of people here are in live entertainment, if not all of you are, um, it's interesting because... Most of the time you had to be on site for a lot of stuff. And so now this new work from home environment is, you know, what does it meant to how you work? You know, how has it improved it? How has it um, taken away from what you do? You know, so we want to know some of this. We also want to understand, you know, some of the lessons you've learned and what you'll take forward. Because I think that as awful as this past few months has been for everybody, um, hopefully there's going to be some lessons that we've all been able to to gain and learn um, and that will help us do our jobs better on the other side or it'll help us change our perspective on how we do things Um, you know so those remote work takeaways and uh, things that you hope that you've learned uh, lessons learned those are the things we want to uh, understand better from you and we want to look at Creating either interviews or um, some articles and some present, you know, some graphics and some checklists for everybody to help, you know, smooth through and keep you moving in a positive direction as we continue to work through the pandemic. So, if you're interested or you have some interesting ideas or anecdotes, send them to me, David@davewakeman.com. Also, if you have not had the opportunity to check out the We Will Recover initiative yet, please do. It is at wewillrecover.live. That's wewillrecover.live. And it is a great um, way to learn about things that are going on all over the industry. There are some great partners like, uh, well, me, <laughs> uh, Angela, and Joe from the ticketing Professionals Conference in Australia uh, Andrew and Tom, uh, and Carol Thomas from the Ticketing Professionals Conference in Birmingham uh, intics is involved um, Let's see We have uh, Activity Stream, so Anar and Martin, the Audience Agency, After Digital, uh, Stay22 Audience View, Seat geek Eventum uh, Axis, QQ Secutix uh, TRG Arts. Every uh, uh, so many great people are involved, so check that out. Uh, we've been doing master classes. We've been d- posting articles, videos, uh, webinars. Um, there's community pieces. Uh, it's a great initiative. It is a way to continue to focus your attention forward, um, because a big part of overcoming any challenge is to make sure that your head is in the right place. And speaking of which, if you get the podcast today, which is uh, June 15th, geez, the months just run together, June 15th, 2020, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, June 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, I will be leading the Sales and Marketing Channel um, presentation for Eric Fuller's uh, Rescue Meat program. And what I'm going to talk about tomorrow is uh, Eric and I had a conversation. He wanted to try and bring a little bit of the sales and marketing workshop type environment that I do with a lot of clients and give it to um, the people on this webinar in a kind of condensed form and deliver virtually. So... Visit rescuemeat.com and sign up if you are able to get there before tomorrow, which is June 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And we'll be going over strategy, marketing, and sales. And probably knowing me, touching a little bit on revenue. Um, And so hopefully that will be the first of many. Uh, And actually today, the podcast episode that you will be downloading will be the original full-length audio that I recorded for Eric's first Rescue Meet event, uh, where we talk about trends and ideas and all kinds of things that come out of the, um, the pandemic and the financial crisis and how the live entertainment business can think about things going forward. Um, so we cut, we touch on a bunch of different things, so... I think we touch on opportunity. We touch on strategy, marketing, revenue, sales, uh, the secondary market, the primary market. Um, Eric was kind enough to give me the entire uh, audio file. And so I think it's um I think it's a good conversation. I wanted to share it with you. Um, it's really, really awesome. So hopefully you'll dig this thing. And I'm going to do my best to get back on doing some podcasts Uh One thing I'm going to do is because, uh, you know, the business of fun, as it would be, is a little bit uncertain right now. So what I'm going to try to do is maybe bring in a few more people who are strategy and marketing folks and management folks, uh, salespeople who have a broader point of view, um, who maybe aren't just tied to the industry of sports or concerts or Theater uh, to give us a little bit more of a broad perspective, um, you know, to get so we hear different voices and so we get some different points of view. Um, But for today, you are going to get me on the other end of the microphone being interviewed by Eric Fuller. So I hope you enjoy it.
1: We're with my friend Dave Wakeman, who you may know from his newsletter Talking Tickets. Or from his podcast circulated uh, well throughout the industry, The Business of Fun. Uh, Dave and I have had, I think, five conversations on the podcast, and, and every time he and I have spoken, I learn something from him. Uh, I think that Dave is a really interesting guy in the way that he approaches the issues related to our industry, and, and that's why I've brought him in to talk to us today. So first of all, Dave, thanks for coming out to Rescue meet and, and, and welcome well, thank you for having me. Uh, no, it's 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 our pleasure. It's our good fortune. So I know you're a forward thinker, and and I've seen you write a lot about what we can do in this sort of post pandemic um, time when we're going to restart. What what's sort of been on your mind as you as you're talking about ticketing and ticketing in the future, and and how you think maybe the industry might want to refocus going forward.
0: Well, I think being forward th- thinking it has been very important to me. And I think the first thing that I would want to share with anybody who's here today, um, listening to us talk is that change is constant. And the most important thing that we all need to recognize right now, probably, and it's maybe more important now than ever before is that change is a constant thing. And that, you know, the all- most important thing about understanding changing the context of a pandemic that has also brought on a financial crisis, is that we really need, really need to make sure that we're focusing on the right things, making the right adjustments, and not being twitchy or running off in any kind of crazy, um, half-hearted or half-thought-out direction. Because due to the nature of the crisis that the industry is dealing with, we do have an opportunity to rectify and resolve some issues that probably were thorns in many of our sides, that were probably limiting the success of many of our businesses, and that are going to set us up for being successful going forward.
1: So we're talking to a room today that, that has representatives from all the major sports, uh, all the major uh, primary ticket markets, and so this is really a sophisticated crew that's got to figure out how to get people back into not only stadiums, but clubs and, and arenas. And, and you know, we're talking everything from really, you know, the subscription model, uh, MLB, NFL kind of ticketing to the, you know, hand fought combat one by one of, of bringing folks into a, mm-hmm. a, a local rock and roll show. So, so right. how do you how do you sort of reset the meter given all the variables in those, in those disparate types of ticketing.
0: Well, I think to expand on this idea of change, the biggest thing that's going to change coming out of a crisis that we're dealing with now is that some of the trends that we were dealing with just in general that maybe we were able to push back on or ignore a little bit are likely to become much more prominent and need much more of our attention so you brought up you know some of the bigger bigger things like subscriptions and then small ticket things a couple of the trends that i've been Looking at and thinking about and highlighting, though, that I think are going to become even more important to pay attention to going forward, include things like consumer spending power. So I don't have the exact data in front of me, but for 40 years, the average consumer hasn't gotten a raise. Um, things have gone up, but there our customers' ability to pay for them have, has not. That's going to continue to be a problem. It's going to be something we're going to have to address. Um, the business model for a lot of sports and ticket companies has been failing for years because we've seen it through, um, the Mm -hmm. lack of real attendance in sports, right? College athletics, struggling to get people in. Um, I believe some data someone shared with me was, uh, 53% or 47% of tickets go unsold for concerts each year. So half the tickets aren't getting sold. Um, this begs the question of how, what does that business model look like, right? Because if it was already struggling, why are we going to prop up something that wasn't working to begin with? You know, so things like th- these are, are ones that are really, really important to people. And I think it's really incumbent that we pay attention to these underlying um, trends and themes because they're going to be um, really determining the success or failure going forward.
1: Now, you come to this world with some experience. So if, if, if I remember our previous conversations, you were with American Express in the day. so right. You've seen ticketing from, from that level um, of, of consumer activity all mm-hmm. the way through. I, I think um, uh, it all runs together, but I think you've gone you've, you've, you've <laughs> to Australia with some teams and you've been in the UK with some teams. You might have even been in Boston where I've heard they have baseball. I I mean, give me an idea of you know, because for the people that don't know you, you know, give give us an idea of the breadth of where you 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 interact with people, so that that you know they can they can measure the the quality of the information
0: for one of them. Oh, sure. Uh, of course of course of course you, you you need a certain amount of uh validation of your uh, of your opinion so i started out my career opening nightclubs all over the country so fort lauderdale houston st louis chicago and we put on event big events um, i believe we had john cicada pm and on so a lot of really big dance parties and we'd sell tickets there and that's sort of how i got involved in the industry from there i got involved with sports so um with Miami dolphins, the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle supersonics. Um, and then over the years, um, I actually helped the American express Centurion card, um, figure out a a global distribution chain for their tickets program for their, um, their card members, which was one of the thorny issue. And it helped them differentiate themselves from other corporate concierge and high-end concierge programs um since then i've done stuff with the seattle theater group um you know so the theater and big concert venues Uh, i've worked with the boston red Sox. i've worked in uh, australia i gave a keynote speech just recently at their league day talking about fans for life and creating and growing fans of the future uh yes clients in all over the world would work for people in china and in europe and america and south america so um kind of touched all over the place and i think there's a key theme that has come out over time which is very important which is not often reflected in the conversations that we have which is that we have we have a job and our job is to create and keep customers and sometimes the point of view is taken that the customers are just going to come no matter how we treat them, and that's just not true. It's not true for any business, but it's especially not true for ours because it's more competitive than ever. It's not just competing against, you know, a hockey game competing against a basketball game, or a hockey game competing against a baseball game, or a concert competing against the theater. You're competing against people staying at home, which is a, an existential crisis. You're competing against bars, restaurants, breweries, right? Uh, You're competing against all these different things. And so you have to start from a vantage point of what does the customer I'm trying to reach, the fan I'm trying to reach, what do they want? What do they need? And how do I provide it for them in a way that makes them pick me over all the other options they have in the world. And that's played out over God knows how many years now.
1: So, uh, you know, we've had a lot of talks, you and I, you know, these sort of, what if we were in charge? How would we make these changes? And and I don't know, just by the crazy circumstance of, of what this rescue meet is turning into, we're actually talking into that room. Um, I've always been an advocate for two things, transparency. I, I think that transparency builds relationships between companies and consumers, and it builds trust. And, and trust allows forgiveness when you have uh, an unforeseen circumstance like we have here where where nobody could have planned for it nobody saw it coming but but i've also thought that that it's important whenever you build a consumer relationship that you never lose sight of the fact that all the power in the relationship really lies in the hands of the consumer and although supply and demand may get out of balance and and, and let the seller have a little more power that's that's illusory because as soon as the consumer decides they're not interested and they're gone you're dead so you know where where are we on that sort of balancing scale right now of power? Um, prior to this epidemic, we were in sort of a full employment, uh, 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 unlimited money, funny money environment where you know I, I used to say uh, you know I'd be amused that that parents would pay three thousand dollars to buy a JoJo JoJo jo Siwa ticket in Houston so their kids would have social status or or you know a, a VIP wristband to Coachella so that. You know, the kids weren't shamed of being in the GA where, I don't know, guys like me are. Um, so, you know, wh- how do you see it now? Wh- what are we going to be looking at when it restarts, whenever it restarts?
0: Well, I think if you go back to those trends I was talking about before, where we thought, you know, where we thought that, you um, you said funny money environment. And we thought that, hey, everything's going great because we could see revenues increasing, right? Um, Major League Baseball, I believe it was $9 billion in revenue last year. Yet for the, I believe the 10th straight year or the ninth year out of 10 or something like this, their real attendance had fallen, right? So I think we have felt like we had more power in the relationship than we did. And much of this revenue and much of the gains in the industry have been, artificial in nature right it's been someone willing a smaller group of people willing to pay more um, for a declining asset and so in tickets right customers are getting squeezed out or money is being invested by the secondary market through um, speculation or consolidation or secondary market partnerships and those are creating this soft uh, false sense of security because sure it's revenue on the books but less and less people are actually going through the turnstiles less and less people are actually in ta- you know taking in a game or a concert or a theater performance um, but the revenues look great Le- revenues are game busters. so i think that for a long time we've hit we've been measuring the wrong things we've been asking the wrong questions and those have led us to a false sense of security but if you look at the reality right Less people are going to games, less people are going to concerts, less people are going through the turnstile of these things. And that hurts and impacts us in food and beverage, right? Um, Merchandise, uh, all the the parking, any ancillary benefit. And so I think that likely the consumer is going to come out of this in an even stronger position than they were before. The challenge that many of us are going to find ourselves facing is whether or not we're going to recognize that, are we gonna ask ourselves the correct questions? Which is, if I'm successful, what will success look like? And if it's just like squeezing a little bit more money out of um, declining you know, revenue streams and the same sources, uh, you may be able to get another year or so out of this. I don't know though, because I don't know the depths of the financial crisis. I don't know um, what you know how long businesses are gonna be down. You know, so I think that really the, the scales have tipped even more than the customer. It's just that I believe that we are going to have to recognize how str- how much strength the customer has just because of the nature of, A, they have the money, and B, we're not the only people asking for it.
1: Well, you know, you're you're touching on um, one of the core themes that, that I've organized this discussion around today, and that is that in, in order to answer a question... In order to find the answer to a question, you have to first find the question, right? And you have to be thoughtful because mm-hmm. it's easy to answer the wrong question, or it's easy to formulate the easy question, and it never solves the problem. I mean, uh, right. and the easy example I want to use here. Let's just talk about baseball for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. You and I have had a number of talks about, you know, what's going on as the as the as the stadium slowly empty out, and baseball becomes more dependent on television revenue um you know baseball was was always the the game that people went to first i i I remember uh, i'm going to change the number again because i can never get it straight i think it was 1640 when i went to the first baseball game with my grandfather i think they were just basically hitting a cow pie with a with a with a, a log off of a tree but in any event um I never, I've never forgotten that because I went to Anaheim Stadium and the Angels were going to play, and I took a glove because I was going to catch a ball, and and because he was old school, my grandfather had the actual sheet where he he kept score meticulously on, on you know everything from from errors to which player did what, and and and, and that was something. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't. Um, just a nothing event. It was a significant event. I mean, I'm 59 years old. I still remember it. it it's a long time ago, uh, yeah. and so I think that instills fandom. That that instills the desire to go back and and to be part of it. But but the other thing that was important that was probably my first experience in being in a full stadium, where if the the ball went over the fence, everybody stood up and jumped up and down and and was just exhilarated. But yes. I don't know. How do you get that if there's four empty rows on either side of you? You know, are you even going to look up from your phone if somebody hits a grand slam dinner? I mean, I just I I think the question as to at least on the sports model side is
0: if you're going to ask people to come, what are you offering them? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's absolutely true. And uh, so you said the first thing was about questions, and that that's very important. It's a challenge that all of us deal with is the need to make sure that we continue to push at the assumptions that we're making, right? It becomes very easy for us to get comfortable doing things the way we've always done them before, because no one likes to change, right? It's um, very uncomfortable for all of us. Um, The fact that I spend a great deal of my time talking about change and encouraging change is unique. Um, And I think it's mainly because again, I, it's just sort of the nature of how I grew up, how I came up through business, right? Is one where we were working in a market for, you know, 12 to 18 months, we'd build a market, we'd establish it, we'd move on. So change was just a constant th- part of my life at the beginning, but people don't, they, they don't like change, right? The no Nobody does. Um, you know, even people who become comfortable with it, like myself, we still are like going, eh, if I don't need to change, I won't. And so challenging ourselves to change the assumptions that our business are made made on to make sure that we're still answering the right question that we're still solving for the right equation. It's a very, it's very big a challenge. And then you talk about major league baseball, and there's a guy, I know there's a lot of people here from California. So the name I'm going to use is going to be very, um, Familiar to a lot of you. Um, and it's somebody I've had the fortune to know over the last couple of years, a guy called Tom Likas, who was on uh, uh, PM Drive Time in LA. And he was telling the story recently um, on Facebook because I'm like a Facebook friend of Tom's, which is pretty funny because uh, I was like, I don't know how this happened. But Tom was talking about the first baseball game that he went to. And it was still when the era of black and white TV, and you come up over the concourse and onto the steps and you'd see that green. And I think that even for people like me who had color TV their whole lives, that first time I saw the baseball diamond and th- that green expanse of field. And you'd hear that special sound when the ball hit the bat or the way those gloves and ball met and they smacked, you know, it's like so powerful. And if we're not careful that, feeling that sense that story around that is lost and i think the big thing that you're talking about when you're asking about questions and you explain the model of sports or you're thinking through these things you're talking about a marketing thing and one of the trends and challenges that the industry's faced for many many years now has been ineffective marketing and i think one of the things that um we have to recognize as an industry and as people in the industry is that marketing is everything so that first that sense of awe when you come into a full stadium, that's marketing, right? That sense of togetherness with a big crowd, that's marketing, right? Um, the anticipation before I'll use in my example, anytime I go to see Pearl Jam or Bob Dylan or the Foo Fighters, when you know they're coming on and you know they're getting ready to come on, but you don't know exactly when, even though you know what time they're supposed to come on stage that's marketing right and the beer on tap and the the, you know getting into the stadium getting out of the stadium you know getting into the arena right the ticket buying process uh everything about this is marketing and it, it tells a story and when we're asking these questions we're making sure we're focusing on the right things we have to think about it in the context of marketing and that every decision we make is a marketing decision that is incumbent to show people that we care about them and that we want them to come and that we want them to come, not just once, but we want them to come regularly because the whole industry is built on the idea that we need people not just come once, once a, you know, once a year, because it's a special occasion. We want people to be out a lot, right? Uh, That was like the first most important thing I learned about nightclub from nightclubs was that if I can fill the, everybody can fill your nightclub on a Saturday night. Can you get people out? more than once a week right and that's the same thing we're doing if you're a baseball team you have 81 games a year you need to fill a football game you have eight home games right Basketball's 41 like all these things concerts if you're playing multiple nights you need to sell out you can't just have a one and done a hail mary approach and i think that's getting lost and that's part of the story that's part of the marketing and that's part of the assumptions that we're making and that are failing us
1: well you know what i, I agree with you and <clears throat> My daughter is pretty smart, mm-hmm. and and she said something that, that the other day that I, I just can't get out of my head. She said, you'll forget what somebody said, but you'll never forget how they made you feel. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really the core of marketing, and I'll tell you just a very quick story uh, from my own past. Uh, there was a time in my life when I was, uh, uh, well, actually most of my life, when I was traveling all the time, And, uh, one time I went to the San Francisco and I stayed on union square at the Weston St. Francis, which is an old school storied hotel. And I had a rental car and I pulled in underneath to the, to the valet and I got out of the car and I handed him my keys and the guy looked at me square in the eyes and he said, welcome home, sir. And I stayed at that hotel for years after that, just Mm -hmm. because just the, the way that that made me feel it was free to them. Uh, it took them five seconds. But but it hit me uh, correctly. It, it it hit me in, in a place where uh, it, it gave you the attachment of feeling you were special. I, mm-hmm. I don't need a hundred emails from the CEO with a coupon attached to it. You know when I walk in the door, make enhance the experience. And and so I think that's really in part what we're discussing. There's right. one other thing that I think you and I should talk about just for a minute um, before we run out of time, and that is. In this room, we have two different, distinct kinds of models. We have ticketed events that lend themselves to—I'll call it a subscription model. Whether that's a subscription model for all the plays that are coming through the local town, or whether it's a um, the season for the sport uh, versus the the companies that that sell concerts or something like that, where. There's a concert every other night, but they're selling you tickets to the one show you want to see, and the customer acquisition cost is is much much higher because of that. Mm-hmm. So, as we look to the future of of live events, I, I I think that both sides of that fence can learn from each other. I, I, my my theory is that that the guys that have been selling subscriptions are going to be selling mini subscriptions because people are going to be a little slow to come back. But, but maybe there's something more the guys on the other side of the fence that have been in hand-to-hand combat to sell the next ticket can learn about maintaining a relationship with their consumer uh, on into the future.
0: Okay. Yeah. So let me make three points here then. because So number one, back to what your story about the Union Square in San Francisco. Um I don't know if Maureen's here with us today, Maureen Anderson, she has given a talk pretty regularly and her key takeaway, I think is very valid and very valuable to everybody that I encounter, uh, inside of events and all and outside of events is that we need to become inclined to to try to figure out how to say yes and to stop saying no so often. And I believe that's exactly the, um, the emotion that you you were generating with your story, and I, I have a very similar story. Um, I remember my fortieth birthday when I went to L.A. and I stayed at the Four Seasons in Hollywood uh, in uh, Beverly Hills, and they upgraded me to the room uh, with a view of the Hollywood sign, and they sent me the most amazing cake. Right, and they didn't have to because I'd never stayed at that property before, um, but I stay at the one in Miami on Brickle regularly, and they want and they've often said they want that to be my home. When I'm in Miami and I act on that all the time and I think that's something all of us can do because that's customer service um, and we need more of it right and when we're talking about an experience economy we have the most amazing content in the world and the most amazing ability to create these one-of-a-kind experiences that just looking at the data people are willing to spend their money on they want to give us their money We just have to be stupid, like smart enough not to be stupid and get out of their way. Right. Let them give us their money. Uh, Number two, when you're talking about subscriptions and seasons versus uh, people who are selling individual tickets, it's absolutely important that we all learn from each other because it's likely that these subscriptions and these season passes are going to change, but the same way that there's going to be opportunity for people who are selling individual tickets to bundle. Uh, I have a friend in Australia, a woman called Angela Higgins, and she um, takes all the big Broadway musical tours across Australia. And she had made a real habit out of this um, over the last few years of taking events and people who didn't necessarily have a relationship or weren't necessarily naturally aligned and creating packages that would allow them to maximize their ability to sell. It would cut down on their customer acquisition cost, and it would generate a uh, more satisfied customer. You know, so that example is already on display if we're looking in the right places. Uh, and so, yes, we absolutely need to learn from each other, share best practices, s- lovingly steal what works for us. But the third point is, is don't limit yourself to just, Things that work in concerts and events and sports. Look at the world around us, right? You use the uh, hotel example. I often say, look to the world of you know, software as a service, or look to um, professional services, or look wherever, right? And if you see something that works, we have to be more willing and more able to take ideas wherever they come from and apply them to our situation because that unfortunately doesn't happen nearly enough. We become Um, when to the way things are done in this industry, when somebody else is killing it, you know, with their email marketing campaign or with their subscription model or with their customer service levels, or, you know, with the way they redefine their experience, all these different things, ideas, we should be stealing them from everywhere. You know, and that may be the most important key to being successful going forward is to expand the number in ways that you're generating ideas you know it's asking the right questions but then not limiting where your answers come from
1: oh mr dave wakeman every time i talk with you i uh, i come away a little bit smarter and a, a little bit less of fear that i'm going to be stupid i really really appreciate <laughs> i really really appreciate your time today yeah, well, and, Thank you uh, so
0: much for including me in this. This is uh, I, I, I hopefully uh, everybody that's here is going to learn something from you. There's going to be something great that they're going to be able to engage with you on. Um, and, you, you know, I'm excited for whatever the future is going to be. Um, I know it's going to be tough for a little bit of time, but people have been going to events for thousands of years. And so to think that people aren't going to go back to events is ridiculous. I want to thank Eric Fuller and his team at Rescue Me for giving me the audio to share with you today. If you liked what I was doing, you know, send me an email. Let me know what you thought. It's DaveWakeman.com. Dave uh, visit my website, davewakeman.com. Find out what I'm up to. Um, if you get a chance and you download this episode today on June 15th, remember June 16th, I will be leading the 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time Rescue Meet session on sales and marketing. So visit www.rescuemeet.com to sign up. We are going to be talking about um, a lot of things around strategy. It's going to be sort of a virtual version of a workshop, which I have done more and more of over the last year or two. And it's something that I I learn a lot from people who get a really great experience from. Hopefully, it'll give you some action items and some ideas. It'll help you um, continue to push forward and stay positive as we work to find a way to get live events back running again, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, Make sure you connect with me on the social media. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at David Wakeman there. You can connect with me on the LinkedIn. If you don't already get talking tickets, you should. It's awesome. It is... um, uh, Five top stories from the week with a little bit of analysis about why they're important and how to take advantage of them. Uh, it has been one of the nicest and coolest things I've done. Uh, the open rate on the thing is phenomenal. It gets open somewhere between 50 and 60 percent of the time. Um, folks click through the links. Uh, people are like, "Wow, well, this thing is amazing!" I don't know how you do it. Uh, I, i'm it's always so grateful that people like it that much um so you can get that by either emailing me david with the talking tickets uh in the subject line just ask me to add you or you can sign up uh, on my website there is a tab there that says get the talking tickets newsletter that's dave wakeman.com as i mentioned at the start make sure you check out uh what i'm working on with booking protect we are looking to help uh, people understand some of the lessons that we've learned from the work from home environment during the pandemic uh, what are some of the things you're going to take forward with you and integrate into your working life coming out of this thing um, and some examples of how you've been successful or how the work from home uh, experiment has changed the way you've thought about your job or how you do your job um, you know or you know maybe you just hate it um, but we want to get a, a a better understanding of how people are dealing with this thing, how people are coping, you know, so send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com. I have some questions. We have some different things that we're looking to do. Um, Also, if you get a chance, check out the, we will recover initiative. Uh, It is something that I'm me and a whole bunch of really, really smart people. Um, are partnering with activity stream. This is the brainchild of Martin and Aynar. Um, they put this thing together. It's great. They brought together, uh, 15 or 20 organizations from around the world to help focus on master classes, webinars, content around recovery, uh, refocusing your strategy, uh, rethinking your marketing, your sales, your customer service. It's a really, really great effort. Um, It's at wewillrecover.live. You can find all kinds of stuff. It's great. Um, And make sure you check me out tomorrow at Rescue Meet. Uh, This is a new idea that Eric Fuller put together. Uh, He pulled together this really um, interesting conversation with people from all over the industry. uh, And he has breakout sessions that he's planning to do. Regularly, tomorrow's um, there's three there's a sales and marketing, there's a technology, and there's management. I'm leading the one at 12 uh, p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, We're going to be doing a little bit of a mini workshop, it's going to be great. Uh, Martin is going to be talking about management uh, on one of the sessions. Uh, There's a really great technology conversation coming up as well. Uh, You know, so check out the Rescue Meets website. Uh, sign up for one or all three or two or three you know all of them if you want to of the different tracks uh, It's going to be I think some interesting things you're going to learn and you're going to hear some voices that maybe You don't always get a chance to hear from or you're going to hear them in a different context and I think right now Collecting ideas and coming up with new angles and new approaches for how we're going to deal with things is pretty pretty important Um And as always, I want to thank you for being a listener. Um, Like I said at the start, you know, let me know how you're doing. You know, send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com. Just give me a heads up. Say, oh, man, this has been terrible. This has been a struggle. Um, I'm holding it together. You know, whatever it is, I'm here for you. Um, I want to make sure everybody's good. Um... You know, without all of you, I would not be able to do this thing. I wouldn't be able to have done a lot of the things I've done. You know, so I just want you to check in and let me know how you're doing. Um, if you need somebody to talk to, I'm here for you. Uh, you know, just let me know. And we'll get back to doing some podcasts. And hopefully we'll get some traction on opening some shows. And we'll all of a sudden be back to uh, a life where we can run around and have a beer together or something. All right. So until next time, take it easy.